Do you struggle with self-control when it comes to your online behavior? If so, Plucky might be the filter you need. With Plucky, you decide ahead of time which sites are safe for you, and then Plucky locks in your settings to keep you from self-sabotaging in a moment of temptation. It's a self-control filter that helps your long-term intentions win out over your short-term compulsions. Take courage, take control, get Plucky. To learn more, visit PluckyFilter.com. That's Plucky, P-L-U-C-K-Y, Filter.com. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Sex education isn't what it used to be, but the need for good, godly sex education is at an all-time high. Our guest on today's program is Kristen Miele. Kristen has been educating youth on the topic of sex for 12 years and is the founder of Sex Ed Reclaimed, a training organization that specializes in God-honoring accessible sex ed for children 13 to 18 years old. In our conversation, Kristen answers questions around the importance of sex education, what needs to be taught in sex ed, how to teach it, and various obstacles that confront parents and kids alike when learning God's good design for sex. To learn more about Kristen and their curriculum, visit sexedreclaimed.com. For more resources, visit bebroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And we sure appreciate it when you rate and review the program because that really does help others to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries, and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Let's dive into today's conversation with Kristen. Well, all right, Kristen Miele, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I just uh, I, I love uh, what I've seen about the work that you're doing in this space of uh, sex education. And so I would love for you to just be able to share with our listeners just a little bit of your own story and how you've even gotten involved in the work that you're doing with Sex Ed Reclaimed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a background in public health. So I have a a master's in public health. And when I went, when I was going into grad school, uh, I knew I needed to pay for grad school. And so I was really just spending time in prayer, honestly, just asking God for a job. And it was one of those prayers that like immediately got answered. And um, the school called me and said, you know, if you'll teach a class within public health, we will pay for your schooling. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is absolutely from God thought it would be introduction to public health. It turns out it was human sexuality. That was the class I was going to be teaching. And I thought, eh, that's got to be a mistake. I've never talked about sex in my life. I don't know what to say. don't know what to do. This, this, can't, this can't be it. And um, as I began in that job, teaching three classes a week of human sexuality to college students when I myself had just finished college, um, I started to understand little by little that actually sex was not something that I needed to feel guilty talking about or ashamed of, but rather it was something created by the one who loved me and who designed me. And it was always his to begin with. And so I started to um, understand it from a completely different viewpoint than how I had walked into it, which was initially with shame. And I started owning it more and it became this passion and joy for me. And so that's been really what I've been doing for the last 12 years on and off is talking to young people and adults um, about sexual health and holy sexuality. Um, And now God's planted this new vision again, once again, through prayer. Um, This was all God. 
I, I didn't grow up wanting to be a sex ed teacher. I don't think anybody does, but this was completely the Lord um, giving this passion and this, this skill set to me. And I'm really grateful. Yeah. So it sounds a little bit like some baptism by fire there in terms of just you know, being right out of college and then having to go teach that that class. Uh, but sometimes I think that's the way the Lord uh, shapes us too, right? Is um, sure. I think about when he sent off the uh, disciples in twos. Uh, mm. They didn't have a whole lot of training at that point in time. He said, do this, this, and this, and don't take anything with you. Everything will be provided. And it was like, okay, that's that's a baptism by fire, right? Absolutely. So, um, what have you what have you learned over that period of time in terms of teaching sex education uh, specifically about things what has changed over the last 12 years in terms of not just sex education but just kind of the culture and the sexualization of the culture and why does that then make what you're doing that much more important within the culture that we're living in yeah um, sex ed has changed in the last 12 years, which doesn't seem like a long time, but it really has. When I was teaching it at the beginning in 2010, it was still, I would say in most circles, pretty factual. It was still um, talking about the body, talking about STDs. There was talk about birth control. There was still um, condoms being put on bananas, you know, so it wasn't quite purity culture and legalism, um, particularly where I was living at the time, which was Illinois, but rather it was pretty factual and straightforward. And there was conversation around um, kind of the movement, the LGBTQ movement and what was happening. But again, I felt like in my experience, it was very factual. Like this is what's happening. This is what's going on in the world. And I would say in the last decade or the last decade plus, it's become more about identity and sexuality overall. Like this, this is who you are. Because you feel this, this is who you are. And how can we embrace that in totality? Because you are amazing and you do you. And let's explore that. And so it's almost become like a full, um, a full movement towards accepting whatever feelings you have at whatever stage of life you are. There is no real pushback. And honestly, even teaching sex ed now, it looks a lot like um, almost, I would say, extreme inclusivity. Like there's just, there's nothing off bounds. Like there's nothing, there's nothing out of bounds there. It's, it's all meant to be talked about. And I do think that that's really difficult because there isn't, a lot of room in there for beliefs and values, except that everything is acceptable. Yeah, it's kind of there's this postmodern, post-Christian sort of existential mm -hmm. type uh, reality or uh, sense of reality. Um, the irony to me is then that seems to then leave things like facts and truth outside of the conversation. How do you or where do you begin to try to have the conversation about sex education in such a kind of uh, uh, identity-driven culture that is saying, you know, you do you, your truth, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, what I do is I point to the problems within that without obviously pointing to them. For example, um, I might say, let's like think of the world around us. Let's think about the world around us. And this is in secular settings. This is not just Christian settings or with Christians. Um, let's look the world around us. What, what do we observe and how is it working out for people? And 
basically those two questions in different forms begin to help students and young people open their eyes to, well, I think this and this is working because she seems happy. Okay, well then what does it mean, you know, to be happy? Is is that what she or he is doing? Is that worth it? So a lot of times I point to experiences they're having because people are so experiential and a part of the movement in sex ed is very experiential. And so, okay, great. What what do you observe then? What do you see about people's experiences and, and how is that paying off? You know, there was a show I was watching yesterday and it's on a popular streaming service. It's a big show. And this whole episode was about um, a woman's best friend and he's gay. And they were just exploring what it means to have an open relationship, this this man and his partner. And he just seemed devastated the whole episode because his partner was seeking out other partners because they were in an open relationship. And he kept saying, but this is just who he is. This is who he is. This is his biology. And there was like, again, no pushback on that. There was no conversation around that. And so let's say if that man was one of my students, I'd really, I'd really point to, you know, you, you seem unhappy. Why do you think that is? And he even says in the show, I want to be loved and valued so much that I want this to be a closed relationship. But he can't understand that because it's in his biology to be in an open relationship. And I just thought, wow, this is language that young people are hearing. This is language that young Christians are hearing. How can we talk about that moment of um, his unhappiness, his dissatisfaction, his need to be seen and loved and valued so much so that somebody actually enters a covenant? And how can we talk about you know, his sexuality um, with with somebody who's who's observing kind of life play out. And that's really where I get students and young people to engage around identity and around what we put our value and worth in, because generally it's not in things that are lasting whatsoever. Rather, it's in very momentary uh, desires. Yeah. So what are some of the, what are like the core tenets or just some of the the core principles and things that you, when you are trying to, let's say, take a a group of young people or maybe even Mm -hmm. parents that are trying to help their kids navigate being a sexual being, what are the key things that you are wanting to teach about Mm -hmm. sex and sexuality and, and how do you typically go about teaching it? Yeah. So I, there are a few key points that I want to make with, with young people as we talk about sex. One is pretty simple and it's that we can talk about sex, that it's actually good to talk about sex, that sex is something that is not um, like from the evil one or something dark and scary and bad, but rather sex, our sexuality, our body, um, how we, how we were made and designed is a good thing. And so the first step, not only that I want children to understand, but that I want their adults to understand is that we can talk about it. And I am actually a great place to come to for that. I, as a parent, I, as your adult, am a great place to come to for, for questions about that and concerns and thoughts. And I want to know what you're processing. Um, another important point goes back to what I was saying earlier about identity. What are they finding their worth and value in? You know, even as, I mean, young people for generations, all people really for generations have put value in their partners, like their, their spouses, their dating partners, their um, boyfriends or girlfriends. And that doesn't go well. And it doesn't go well for a lot of, a lot of reasons, but one being that our identity was never meant to be fulfilled by another person. It was never meant to be fulfilled by this, you know, sinful person. It was only, only, only meant to be focused um, 
on our savior because he created us and he loves us and he sees us and knows us and still chooses us. And so I I want young people to also understand um, how their desires point to identity crises, if that makes sense, and um, how it can actually pivot and point to the one who made you, who who created your identity. And then another important point um, that I make with people is actually using all correct words. Like I don't, um, I don't ever use slang terms or, um, you know, use words that are anatomically almost full of shame, if you will. Like, I think there's so many words that people learn from a young age that starts to create this level of shame and, um, almost like a feeling of badness about their body. Mm -hmm. Like there's something bad about it. And so I'm big on using the correct language, the correct words and describing things correctly. But I think the hard part for parents in that sense is, well, how do I do that if my child's five? Or how do I do that if my child is 10 and I still think they're too young? And so I'm all about using correct language, but really making it understandable for the child. It's still truthful language. It's just at an age appropriate level. So what would be an example of that? And it's okay. We can talk about it on this program. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. An example of that. um, So you might, let's say you have a 11 year old son and he's going through puberty and essentially he's, you know, let's say he's been raised in a home where they are talking about sex and they are asking their son to, you know, bring them questions and they are being kind of an open, an open book with that. So the 11 year old maybe approaches his dad or his mom and says, mom, this happened overnight. I don't know what it was. Um, It's like on my sheets. So instead of making that a joke or a funny story or um, poking fun, I I would describe to an 11-year-old what happened. So this is called a wet dream. This is, you know, this is when the penis ejaculates overnight. What that means is that all of these hormones in your body are changing. That's part of puberty. And even though it doesn't always feel good, or sometimes it could even feel embarrassing, it's actually your body preparing to be an adult, which is really cool. It's amazing. And overnight, what happens is these hormone levels rise and you can't do anything about that. It's just how they're functioning overnight. You have something called testosterone, this rises and semen comes out of the body. And what that is, is that's a wet dream. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or there's anything bad about it. It is something that many guys, in fact, all guys experience as they get older. Um, However, how that might change if the child is 16 or 17 is there might be an opportunity for the dad to actually talk a little bit more openly with his son to say, you know, hey, I know, yeah, this has been happening and we've never talked about it before. This is what that is. But actually, this was like my experiences with it. Like, I don't think that just because you're a parent, that doesn't mean that you share nothing with your child about your own experiences. I do think there's a time and a place for that. And that takes a lot of discernment and a lot of prayer and listening to the Holy Spirit. And certainly you don't need to divulge everything about your past. But Mm -hmm. being able to connect with a child over like, hey, I experienced that too. And that's normal. And that's a part of puberty, um, I think, could be really beneficial for potentially for that 11-year-old, depending on the relationship, but even for teens as they're really struggling with with questions around sex and sexuality and their changing body. Well, let's talk about uh, something that you brought up there in terms of the conversation that can happen between a child and the parents. And 
how important is is the relational component to education and teaching and just the overall necessity for community to be part of our education experience, even when it comes to things like sex? Yeah, I think that there's a really, are you talking about kind of the parent-child aspect or are you talking well, about just, accountability for the parents? I guess what I'm, I, I guess the, the thought that was going through my mind is that in many cases, and a lot of times even within the church, within Christianity, there can be such a, uh, a privatization, such a, yeah. uh, uh, almost like a, an isolation that happens around these types of conversations to where this isn't allowed in the community environment. And mm -hmm. if my understanding of uh, historical classical education is right or true, it seems to me like everybody who's ever learned anything has never done so in isolation by themselves. There's always right. been a communal relational aspect to yeah. education and training and mm -hmm. teaching. So mm -hmm. that's what I wanted you to ask, talk about. Like, why is that so important, especially around this topic of, of sex? Yeah. Yeah, this, this is really important for this topic because this topic has an ability to be so isolating and almost become lonely. And because we also, many of us learned that, whether it was meant for us to learn or like purposeful and intentional or whether it was unintentional, we learned growing up that this was not like I told you about, you know, during my prayer time, how God said, God basically responded with, yeah, you'll have a job. And then I was to teach human sexuality. And I thought, well, that must be wrong because sex, I unintentionally learned that there was something bad about it. Um, nobody ever told me that it was learning through not learning. And so what talking about sex, um, with others does and what it does when you're having conversations with young people is it, in my opinion, reclaims it. Like, I really feel like the world is owning sex. We look around and the world seems to have the main narrative on it. And they're, they're, they're sure being real, um, real, you know, communal about it. Um, they're talking about it constantly and, and young people talk about it with their friends constantly. But then what does that say when Christians aren't and the church isn't and your parents aren't? Um, and it should be the reverse, which is really why I love that word reclaim around sex and around sex, sex ed, because it was always ours. It was always God's children's topic. It was always God's children's gift. Like he gave us this. And so it's meant to be communal in the sense that we're allowed to talk about it. We're encouraged to talk about it. The Bible talks about it. So why have we thought we shouldn't? Um, and I think just from a practical perspective, there's so much help when parents are able to talk about this with other parents, when they're able to share both their failings and their mistakes and their joys and their encouragement. Um, and there's so much to, to really benefit from when we have open conversation um, that touches on really hard stuff that we might not have the answers to, but it certainly um, leaves the door open for continual conversation where grace and mercy and love can be shown because that happens in relationship. That doesn't happen yeah. when you're alone. Now, considering that there are so many uh, you know, parents and young people that this hasn't necessarily been part of their regular communication that they mm -hmm. might have had with each other. What would be some maybe good guidelines and maybe even some guardrails for 
how to actually go about talking about this because we're talking about something that is extremely can be extremely mm-hmm. sensitive and personal and there might have mm-hmm. even been trauma that's part of one's right. sexuality and their story so how would you help uh folks engage these conversations in a healthy way yeah i have a few a few tips on that um one i really encourage and this is actually a part of the curriculum i'm writing is that parents um and this this is not a fun one but parents dive into their own past and it's not fun because they're there might be trauma in that, right? Or or abuse of some sort. But actually dive into, okay, what was my first experience with pornography? Who did I talk to about that, if anyone? How did that affect me? Am I still in um, an addiction? Do I still struggle with this? Is this something I'm able to talk about with my spouse? Have I ever talked about it at all? Um, many people have now realized the benefits of counseling and many people seek counseling. But I think for some Christians, sex is still off, you know, like it's not, it's it's basically off the table. They're not going to discuss it. They don't want to discuss it and they don't want to go there and it can be painful. But one thing that's important for parents to do, and again, it's not necessarily fun, but it's definitely good is to go back and say, what were my experiences? What did I learn? What did I not learn? You know, what do I wish I had learned? What happened to me and how have I processed that and how have I how have I gone through that? Because that is going to help you um, teach the next generation. That is going to help you with your children. That is going to give you language. um, And yeah, that's going to give you a healthier place to start with. So I do recommend that and encourage that. Although that's a a hard one. Um, And an easier, quicker tip I have for parents is that there are opportunities all around us. So songs on the radio, TV shows, certainly, um, even still billboards and books kids are reading and relational aspects of schooling. Um, There are opportunities all around for parents and adults to utilize. Um, Whether it is a a school situation, relationship happening there, or you've just watched a TV show, you've just consumed this media with your child, and you're wondering what they're thinking about that or if they've ever seen anything like that before, if they knew about that. And I always recommend asking, you know, what do you think about that to your child? What do you think the song is saying? What, it, what do you think that billboard meant to, to sell to us? What do you think about John and Josie's relationship at school? Is it, is it healthy? You know, why or why not? So really asking and getting into the habit of asking open-ended questions to your kids, um, where you're basically encouraging critical engagement on what's happening around them. That's a more practical tip. Um, And then Mm -hmm. another one I would have for parents is to actually invest in in themselves by learning. You know, some parents never had any sort of sex ed, and so they feel really scared and anxious about it because they have no idea where to start, what to begin with. Maybe they don't even know the words to use, um, or they feel uncomfortable with them themselves. And so I recommend education for, for the parents. And thankfully, I think there is so much education happening around holy sexuality and healthy sexuality, you know, sexuality is God designed, but parents do have to to seek that out. And that's one of the reasons why I'm now providing a resource for those parents. Yeah. And on that, on that note, I want to just interject here for the parents out there who have this false notion 
that they always have to like be above their kids in uh, their understanding or their knowledge mm-hmm. or whatever else. I think, uh, cause sometimes I, I know that parents can feel almost like, Oh my goodness, how embarrassing would it be if I told my kids I'm ignorant around such an important mm-hmm. part of what it means to be human. And I have yet to know of a child that disrespects a parent that humbly admits the truth about their ignorance exactly. and says, I want to go on a learning journey with you. I've mm-hmm. never met a child yet that says I have no respect for my parent for that, that said that to me. So I think I just want to say that to the parents out there. It's, it's okay to, to lean in to your ignorance in order that you might learn and just humble yourself in that. Yes. Um, with that, I want to ask you, um, you know, certainly with what you've been doing over the last 12 years and definitely now what you're doing with Sex Ed Reclaimed, where you're trying to uphold this beautiful, amazing design that God has given to us in our bodies and in sex and sexuality mm-hmm. um, that has very clear uh, definitions to it and clear boundaries around it. What mm-hmm. kind of obstacles have you faced in your seeking to educate from that standpoint of this being something from our creator and God's design? What are some of the obstacles that you've run into where people want to push back on what you're teaching? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, maybe we honestly, start first with what, maybe we start first with what are some of the obstacles that you hear from parents? Maybe what's some of the pushback you get from parents on, on maybe what you're teaching or how you're teaching it? I think pushback from parents and it was expected pushback. I, I thought it was coming was that, um, a lot of people, including myself, tend to be black or white, and you know this is what um, this is what we feel. This is what we we know. This is what is said about insert topic here. You know, insert a, a hard, a really hard topic like abortion. This is what this is what the Bible says on abortion. No question. There's 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 no more on that. But the way I teach is that. Again, not only do I teach accurate terms, accurate definitions um, from a scientific standpoint, but I really talk about people and um, how do we have empathy and compassion and love for people in difficult situations? How can we be a part of their lives in that? Why do people, for example, choose abortion? Um, what goes into that decision? And is it is it really that black and white? Um, I don't ever say, for example, in my topic um, of abortion and talking to kids, this is what you must do, Jonathan. Like, I don't know. I don't know about your life and I don't know about the people who you're in relationship with and I don't know what city um, resources are there for you. Like, I want kids to invest and care for people in such a way that I almost think of it like the third way. It's not, well, okay, abortion is wrong, so therefore you are all wrong. So I no longer can really have a relationship with you because you are clearly in sin. And it's also not, well, abortion's your choice. And, you know, it'll, I I can't have any opinion on it because I just don't understand. No, there's like a third way. We can have opinion and we can read the truth in the Bible and we can read how God has designed people um, magnificently and with purpose. But we, Jesus saw people and he met people where they were at. And he said, like, 
you who hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. And he approached women who were in grave, like desperate situations, and he saw them face to face. And so that is what I'm trying to bring into this curriculum is Christ, really. Like, how does Jesus look at people? But the pushback with that is, but isn't it this? Or can't it be this? Like, it's it's the almost really open way or like really closed off way. And I'm trying to be um, this third way where I want it to be honest and truthful and it is, but I also want it to, to meet people where they're at because that's what, what Jesus did. Yeah. I would say uh, that third way is called the way of Jesus <laughs> uh, because, you know, everybody wants to claim Jesus. The, the Democrats want him, yeah, the Republicans want right. him, the conservatives. And the reality is, is guess what? He never fit into a box, right? Because no. You look at certain things that he said about around morality, and it's like, well, clearly he's a he's a you know Republican. He's a he's a conservative. You look at what he said about justice and social justice, and it's like, okay, maybe he would not fit into those molds. And I think it's because of what you're talking about. There was a dynamic mm-hmm. of of he's always after the heart. And yeah. with that in mind, um, I want to ask you one last question before we kind of land the plane here. What is it that you, when you are seeking to to teach on this topic, what is your ultimate hope that kids and parents come away with from the teaching that you're trying to deliver to them about this great gift that God has given to us in sex? Hmm. I think the the main idea, so to speak, the main hope I want them to walk away with is that they are immensely valuable, that there is hope, that they're is grace and redemption um, that we have a savior. We can try to save ourselves and we can try to to do that even through sex and sexuality. Like I am going to seek out whatever I can to make me happy. And certainly it will work because all these other people are doing it, right? It, It will work for me. And the reality is, is no, it's not working. And why isn't it working? Because we're, we're hardwired for a savior. We we are sinful, rebellious people who flee and run away from God. And God just runs after us always in pursuit. And I actually want people to know that gospel message through the teachings of sex and sexuality, because it's written in our sex and sexuality too. I want students to know that. I want parents to know that. Um, not do I, I don't only just want them to know appropriate terms and what is puberty and what are hormones and how does pregnancy occur? but I do want them to know those things. I do want them to understand those things, but I also want them to know why those things are designed that way. And, and what was God's intention in that for us? And how does he love us through that? Um, Nothing is, is off limits with the Lord. Like we can go to him with everything. In fact, he already knows it. And so um, I even encourage kids to, you know, pray about, about things that they're struggling with, even, with the discomfort of going to God and talking to God about things like masturbation and porn and sex and um, relationships they're having. Like I encourage kids to just approach, approach the throne with that really, because God already knows and he wants us with him there. So um, that's, that is my main desire. I'm not saying it to sound Christian or something like that. It really is just true. And it's what God keeps impressing upon me as I keep learning about sex and sexuality is that he is present in those things. And that um, it was, like I said earlier, it was always his to be, to begin with. And so his people can certainly be in conversation about it and talking about it and um, approaching their children about it. 
Yeah. I love the looks that I get from Christians when I even just tell them, I said, did you know that the most powerful metaphor that we have of the gospel is sex? Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, blow their mind, right? Sometimes right. I have pastors that nearly pass out when I say that. But, uh, <laughs> Kristen, this has been an incredible conversation. We've only really scratched the surface of all Mm -hmm. that can be taught on this subject of sex and sexuality. So where can listeners go to learn more about you and just what you're doing through Sex Ed Reclaimed? Yeah. Um, Sex Ed Reclaimed is on Facebook and Instagram by that same name. So all you have to do is search for Sex Ed Reclaimed. Um, The other place you can find me, my contact information, and what I'm doing is at sexedreclaimed.com. And so all of the content for the curriculum that I have is um, going to drop in, in January. Um, And so as it drops, you'll have access to 80 videos. I filmed 80 videos of content around sexual health and identity and sexuality and God's purpose and design. Um, And it is all accessible through the website. So you can check that out. That's great. Well, we will definitely make sure that everybody has access to that. But Kristen, thank you for being with us. And thank you for leaning into this space that's not always so popular to hold and and stand on the ground on which you're standing. But thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, again, just honored to be here and honored to be in this space. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Yeah. Well, listeners, uh, we will put that information in the show notes so you can connect with Kristen and uh, Sex Ed Reclaimed. But we're always glad that you're with us. We want to always be about helping you take your next best step on your journey of transformation from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ. So please reach out to us if you want help on that journey. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.